Please stand for the word of the Lord. I'll be reading from Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This is the word of the Lord. I am so excited about this service. Here's why. I finally, for my whole life, I have wondered why jeans have this little tiny pocket. (laughs) And I finally figured out to put this little tiny key in it. So now you know where to keep yours. Pull your key out. You might want to refer to that as we hang on to it as we look into the word this morning. So here's what's going to happen over the next few minutes. I'm going to preach a sermon. Then I'm going to pray. We're going to pray. And we're going to pray for miracles. Anticipating that God will do something only God can do in our lives. Then we are going to worship our faces off, okay? Because we're going to be so thrilled with freedom. And then we're going to celebrate communion together. And then we're going to have a big ending. Okay, that's what's going to happen. Are you ready? All right. Heavenly Father, we turn our attention now to your word. We pray that you would, through your Holy Spirit, speak to us deeply. Please, um, Lord, speak words that I cannot speak. Um, Take whatever I say and turn it into whatever we all need to hear. And we will be grateful. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Mary and I went on our annual or daily morning walk run. We had just begun We left our house. We were only three houses away from our house. We made the turn, and our arms were touching side by side as we walked. We were just picking up speed, getting up to tempo, when a 160-pound Rottweiler burst through between our arms, hit our arms. We never heard him coming, didn't make a sound, spun, and bit me on the arm. He was aiming at my throat, but he was a bit overweight and couldn't quite make the leap. And he ended up on my arm. It scared me. We had prepared our whole Detroit life for wild dogs. And uh, what we would do, you know, we'll jump into the pickup, of the back of that pickup, we'll climb up on that porch. But let me tell you, just in case you're wondering, it happened so fast There's no chance. And then this dog is barking at me. He's between Mary and I, uh, Mary and me, and he's, uh, my arm is hurting, and he's stepping forward, and he's barking, and I'm trying to talk back at him, and I'm backing up, and he's coming at me, and then I feel the bushes knowing there's a fence right there behind me, and I am trapped. And then I, um, 
I did what I, I only I had uh, the power to do. I said, I'm just going to be as big as I possibly can. And I just made my face. And I raised my hands up as big as I could, and I just screamed at the top of my lungs. Just like some wild maniac. And the dog just went, mm-hmm. So, you know, that little look dogs do. And it was just enough time for the guy down the street who's, who's doing the working on our road, he saw all this happen and he jumps in his little tiny Ford Fiesta and just that little movement of the dogs had allowed him to come and pull in between me and the dog and uh, push the dog aside. Mary jumped into the car. I jumped into the car. He said, can I take you home? And uh, yeah, but it's just three houses away. So he spins around the block, drops us off. Adrenaline kicks in. I'm like, oh my word, this dog is on the loose. He's right there. He's going to attack me. He's going to attack somebody else. It's not going to happen. I run to the um, my garage, I pull out my framing or my uh, roofing axe, which is this, a large hatchet, and I am off. Some wild man bleeding from the arm, running through the streets of Detroit. I began to calm down. I called the police, and they were on their way. And then I realized this: I'm I'm going to be the target here in a minute. If I so, I put the axe away. It was Beastie, owned by our neighbors two doors down. This dog had, uh, his name was Beastie. I'll tell you something, right? So uh, this dog has attacked other people. Everybody knew that. He breaks out of his yard every once in a while and has bitten others, and they've just never been able to pin it on him well enough. So that process started. They took Beastie away under surveillance for the next 30 days to make sure he didn't have rabies. And, and I got taken care of with my arm. And, um, and we had this, this issue now in the neighborhood. Yeah. Because um, these people, they felt terrible. At the same time, they wanted their dog to be alive. And so there was an issue. But something changed in me that day. I'd never been attacked by a dog before. And I'm fine. I have an awesome scar on my arm. It looks like an anchor. So some people get tattoos like, this is the real deal. Don't mess with me. I'm from Detroit. (laughs) So something changed in me. When Mary and I would, would walk or run, from that moment on, I would feel the scar touch my shirt and it was a little painful but not terribly so but it was there and I felt it every day the other thing that changed in me was whenever I heard a dog bark even if it was a tiny little chihuahua I would jump to attention so I carried this little police baton uh, just in case a dog came which that was the one day I said we never see wild dog, so I don't need it. So I had nothing, no weapon with me. But from then on, always carry my weapon, and when a dog, I'd hear a dog bark, and that thing was out. Oh, oh, it's just a dog barking in somebody's house. Okay. 
put it away. I'm okay. And this went on for months, for months. Off on a run by myself, I could feel the scar all the time. So there are two people that were hurting in this, right? My neighbors and me. I had this weird form of PTSD uh, in a small way. By the end of the summer, Mary and I were putting together a, uh, a cookout for our neighbors. We just wanted to keep building relationships with the people that we live with. And so we were passing out invitations so they would have all the details of when to come to our house and cook hamburgers together. And we were at the end of the street, and there we were, Beastie's owners, which we hadn't seen or really talked with because they really kept to themselves, especially now. And that day, she was out raking her lawn, and we walked up. We were going to give her this flyer, and she burst into tears, and I embraced her. She cried into my jacket, and I said, I forgive you. I forgive you. I forgive you. And something changed. You know what? A few weeks later, at the cookout, she showed up. That was cool. But here's the most amazing thing that really surprised me. From that moment on, when a dog barked, it was as if I'd never heard it. And from that moment on, I never had a single pain in my arm again. Total healing. She was set free, and her husband too, through forgiveness. And you know who else was set free? Me. I was set free. All because of the words, I forgive you. Forgiveness sets us free. My forgiveness set me free. I wonder how many people here today, how many people online are trapped. You're held captive by some form, uh, some burden that somebody else has placed on you, something somebody else had done somewhere along the line, maybe last week, maybe it's the guy who, who you know, guy drove by me this week. I was on a, a road going like 40 miles an hour, and it was a 40-mile-an-hour road, and there were six of us hurrying to get to our destination. This guy in this pickup truck drove by at like 52 miles an hour. <sighs> Come on, man. And then he stopped at that red light, and we pulled up behind him, and I was all happy. Maybe someone would place something really small on you that was an offense just this week, or maybe it was a long, long time ago. But I wonder how many of us here are carrying baggage that's turned into this, this thing that we feel chained to, and we long to be free. Maybe we've given up on being free. It's just the way it is. You know, Paul had his thorn in the flesh, this is mine, I just have to carry it, I guess. Here's what I want you to know, only you have the key to your freedom. That key is in your hand or in your little pocket in your jeans, but you have the key. 
Matthew 18 is a great uh, chapter on those things that matter when people get together. So I'm going to read from Matthew 18. It's a great story. And it starts with a simple question. Peter comes to Jesus and he says, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? So Peter knew that the the theory of the day was you forgive people three times. And he's like, I'm going to be super generous. I'm going to say three times plus three times plus one just to make sure. So seven times, Lord? And Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. And some translators read that 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven Jesus uses this, just continues right into a story. Seventy times seven. And the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. I'm sure Peter is like, wait a minute, we're talking about, for, what, are you, what are you talking about now? As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. Underline or circle the word debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. Circle that phrase, pay back. Circle that word debt. Hold on to those. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. Same exact words. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailer's to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Did Peter walk away going, okay, I'm never going to ask him a question again. (laughs) Pay back what you owe me. A couple couple phrases in that passage that are interesting to me. First is that phrase, payback. You dig into the the word meaning, and that means literally restore, to pay back, to bring it back to the original place. But to, to really more than that, to bring it back to the original place minus the scars 
that went along with what was taken, to pay back, to recover what was lost. So consider the child whose dad walked out on mom when that child was young. He's like, Dad, now in his 40s, thinking back, Dad, you left, man. You were supposed to play ball with me in the backyard. And I never, I never got that. You owe me, right? Pay it back. Or the daughter who says, Dad, you were supposed to rock me on your knee and call me princess, and you weren't there to do that. You need to pay me back. So who's going to pay it back? 40 or 50 years later? Hmm. Who's going who's to make that happen? Look, the, the reality is dad may have died. And there's still that thing. You owe me. Pay it back. The, the second word is just the word debt. I said circle the word debt. So the important thing to understand this is that there's a legit a pain in your life. So here's, here's why this is important. My daughter, remember this time, this happened many times, but when my kids were growing up and I would come to my daughter and I would say, Mariah, I did this and I'm sorry. Because I don't know about you, but as a dad, I sin against my kids sometimes. Um, if we're around each other very long, I'm going to sin against you too. That's just human nature. Um, and, but I want to make things right. So I tell my daughter, Mariah, I'm sorry. And Mariah's first response, you know what it was? It was, um, it's okay. And I said, it's not okay. Because I incurred a debt when I did what I did. And I don't need you to brush it off and ignore it because it's still there. What I want you to do is forgive me. Not for my sake, but for her sake. Right? So the debt that's been incurred against you is legit. It's real. Don't downplay it. Don't say, well, it's no big deal. I can live with it. It's not, I don't care. It's fine. It's not okay. There was a debt. Own it. The next word is the word forgive in that context. Forgive means literally to release, to let go. My brother, Billy, three years older than me, was a typical older brother. When, um, when we were growing up, he would make fun of me because I was his younger brother, and that's what big brothers do. And he would tease me and provoke me and he could push my buttons just like brothers do with each other um, w during that time we lived here in Ypsilanti my brother was the custodian for this church and he sub subbed out part of his job to me so he hired me to work for him so I, I could be the one to scrub toilets and he could vacuum the sanctuary lucky I never got to do that so one time we were out in the lobby, Billy was getting ready to come in to vacuum. It was a Saturday night late. 
and uh, he had been teasing me or whatever, and I was down at, at uh, right outside the, the closet, right by the door there, and um, I was doing some work, and then I went back to right by the main doors where the coat racks are, and Billy's standing in the lobby, and he's making fun of me, and it, something wells up with, within me, and I grabbed the closest thing, which was a hanger off of that coat rack, and I threw it at my brother. That door was open, and that thing went and stuck in that door. To which my brother replied, he looked at me and he went, Oh, you are in so much trouble. And he smiled, turned on the vacuum, and he came in here and got to work. Meanwhile, I was like, Oh, no. I made sure it didn't go all the way through the door, just through the inside. And, and I went around to all the pencil sharpeners in the, in the Sunday school rooms downstairs, and I got all this, the <laughs> pencil shavings out, and I found some glue, and I mixed it up into a slurry, and I put it in that little thing, made it nice and smooth, and took a, let it dry. And an hour later, I took a marker and colored it in so it looked right. Um, and I checked it. There, you, if you feel that door, you can feel the little bump. Still there. Your sins will find you out. I never did get in trouble. But that was representative of our childhood. It just went, it was like that, right? Uh, but I loved my brother. Man, I loved him. I worshiped him. And so I was quick to forget and to forgive in my heart. You know, that's the way he is. That's his issue, not mine. Um, I'm thankful for how the Lord enabled me to, to do that. Fast forward a lot of years, and I start getting phone calls at 11 o'clock at night. What's, who's calling? It is my brother, Billy. And he goes, you know, Mark, I've been thinking. I really mistreated you when we were young. I am so sorry. I'm like, it's okay, Billy. It's no big deal. It's okay. A few weeks later, I get another call. Yeah, I've been thinking. I really, I really mistreated you. I tease you all the time. I'm so sorry. Billy, it's no big deal. Come on, forget about it. Calls me again. Mark, I just want to tell you, I love you, brother. I, when we were young, I really treated you poorly. Billy, I forgive you phone call stopped. I'd been free from his, the pain he caused for a long time because I forgave him. But in, in uttering those words, I forgive you, he was free too. Isn't it cool that God keeps working on us? He doesn't give up on us because we step out of line. Um, Hebrews twelve fifteen says this, see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. You know, God used that relationship that we had with each other to make sure that happened. Billy was able to experience the grace of God. I was able to experience the grace of God in forgiveness. Jesus talked a lot about forgiveness we heard it read earlier before the message began 
uh, in the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. The wording is really important. We, we mess it up sometimes. But look what it says. Forgive us our debts as we also, what's that next word? Have. Have forgiven our debtors. And Jesus, when he prayed that prayer and he was teaching the disciples, you know, they asked him, they watched Jesus and said, we want you to teach us this one thing, not teach us how to walk on water, not teach us how to feed people, not teach us how to heal people, but teach us how to pray. And he gives us these words. And then he underscores that phrase with this one um, to a couple verses later. If you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Can we just let that soak in? That's scary. It's one thing if somebody you don't know says, I'm not going to forgive you, but, but the God of all that is, well, that's strong. So let me ask you a question again. Have you given somebody else the key to the baggage you're locked to? Have you given somebody else the key to the shackles that hold you captive? Have you been holding out for somebody else to make things right in your heart? You took, you took that from me, Dad. You, know, you stole that from me. Your boss, you, you ruined my life. That was my, that was my job, and you gave it to somebody else. Coach, you played that other person. Why didn't you play me? You owe me. They can't pay it back. Even if they were, look, half of those people that offended you somewhere along the lines, they don't even know it. And you're waiting for them to go, come to their senses and call you and say, I'm sorry. Guess what? They don't even know. If you said, you know, I've been holding this against you for all these years, they might look at you and go, are you sure you're talking about me? That might have been somebody else. And then you're going to go, yeah, it could be somebody else now that you mention it. And all these years, you've been carrying this stuff around with you. And it is so heavy. And it affects you in the places you don't expect. All of a sudden, you're mad at somebody. And you're like, where's that coming from? Because you're carrying something you're not supposed to be carrying. You're carrying something that you actually, you alone, have the key to release and to be free from. So you're, you may be thinking, man, if they would just say this, if they would just do this, then it's going to make things all right. And you have some idea that you're holding them captive to the sin they committed. But who's really held captive? Not them. You. We're the ones that are held captive from unforgiveness, from our inability to cancel the debt, to let it go, 
to let it be done. Wouldn't it be nice to be set free? Wouldn't it be great? By the way, that's what Jesus did. He set us free. He said, I forgive your sins. I cancel the debt that you owe. And he, that's, That was a powerful moment. And it wasn't just a moment. It was for us and for all time, forever and ever. For any sins we have committed, the sins we will yet commit, he forgives. He says, the debt is paid completely, paid in full. Your debt. So here's our action verse. Here's our action verse. This is um, Colossians 3. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Hmm. So today, before we receive communion, because, look, I don't want to receive communion in the improper way, and because I've just spoken about forgiveness, now you know, you're held accountable. <laughs> Sorry. But I'm willing to put you out, that, out there in that way because I know what the meaning of forgiveness will do in your life. And this isn't just like, oh, that was a nice message. It felt good to hear that. This is forever and ever walking with your head held high, released from carrying the baggage that's been chained to you for all these years. To say, I'm free. I'm actually free of that, finally. The scar doesn't hurt anymore. I don't even hear the dogs bark because I'm free, because of the power of forgiveness. Forgiveness sets us free. So before we receive communion, as I said, we're going to pray a prayer to be set free. Can you taste it? I mean, can you even imagine what this might be like? One more story. Another job that I had when I was a, a little kid was mowing the church lawn here at Ipsy Free. And this was one that my dad employed me to do. So that raised the stakes big time. So we had this Ford lawn tractor that we would mow the church lawn with. And I would do that work. And this one day, my sister, Heather, and I, we wanted to play together. I was pretty young. I think I was about 12. So I really, we just wanted to play together, but I had to mow the lawn. And so I said, I got an idea, Heather. You sit on the lawnmower with me, and we'll mow the lawn together. And this is going to be fun. And then we'll go on and continue playing together when we're done. She said, that sounds like a terrific idea. So she's on the lawnmower with me, and we're mowing the lawn. And then I'm like, this is taking way too long. I'm going to throttle it up. So I put it put the throttle all the way to 10, and we are just cruising, man. We are mowing this lawn. You've never seen. Grass is flying everywhere. We're out on the front side of the church, and there's that little hill between us and the dentist office. And I cut the turn with Heather on the, the weight differential, and uh, 
I turned that thing, and that lawnmower started to flip. It went up on two wheels. And I said, jump! And I leapt off. It was like slow motion. Whoa, I hit the dirt. Heather tries to jump, and she falls down, and she catches her foot under the, the brake. And in the, in the falling of this tractor, and when I jumped off, it righted itself, but it turned right towards Packard at full speed. And I'm on the ground like, Heather! And I'm running after her in slow motion. Oh! And then I catch up to her, and I grab her leg, and I pull it out from under the brake just in time, and she falls to the ground, and that thing shoots out onto Packard. And I'm like, Oh, no. And I run out, and I catch it, and I put my right foot on that brake clutch combo thing. Ah. Oh. But I look down, and the back tire was on this side of the yellow line. And I was like, oh. And there's a Ford Econoline van coming down the hill. And I went, oh, I better fix this before he gets here. Let me just inch this thing forward. And I let up. Oh, right. It's at full throttle. And when I let up, that thing just went, pow, out of my hands. Oh, no. And then the van comes down, skids to a stop. The tractor smashes into the side of the Ford. And I'm like, oh, no, I'm in trouble. Quick, we're out here under the porch. And the driver of that truck is, or that van is so mad. My mom's up here because my dad wasn't around. My mom is up here. I'm crying. My sister Heather is crying. This guy is screaming at my mom and he's cussing her out. What are you letting this blankety blank thing? My uncle Lynn was here for some reason. He must have been visiting. And he looked at the guy and he says, you say one more word, I'm going to pop you. And I'm like, oh my word, I am in the middle of this. I set this. This is terrible. And then... um. My dad comes over the top of the hill. He sees the, the van, police cars, and the tractor in the middle. And he's like, I remember looking up and he's opening the door while he's driving down Packard because he's so scared for his son who was supposed to be on the tractor by himself. And he comes, he looks at me and he says to Heather and I as we're crying, he says, you go home. Yes, so we go home. We sit on the couch. Dad solves everything. We are bawling our eyes out. We are so scared. What is going to happen? Life as we know it is over. And Dad walks in. He says, he walks by us, says something to Mom. He comes back. He says, I think you guys have suffered enough. I forgive you. It's over. Why don't you go play? Okay. We had a new life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we've been carrying stuff way too long, stuff we don't need to carry. It's not doing us any good. It's just dragging us down. And you've given us the key to be free. And it's forgiveness.
so Lord, we're just going to pull all that stuff together. We're going to identify everything we can where there's unforgiveness, where we're holding a grudge, where we're saying, I'm going to wait there. You know, I, it's, I'm just going to say it's okay. But it's not okay. Lord, we want to cancel the debt. So we're going to say, I forgive you. In our, in our minds, in our hearts, to whoever has harmed us, whoever gave us this baggage to carry, big deal, little deal, it's still a real deal in our hearts. And we want to let it go, but we need to forgive. We need to cancel the debt. Because it's real. And you will give us the power to do that. And Lord, as we do, you will set us free. So Lord, now is that moment where we turn to that person in our mind and we say, I forgive you. The debt is canceled. Whatever you did against me, I'm not going to hold against you anymore because there's no more power there. Cancel the debt. Now, Jesus, will you set us free? 